<clears throat> I know I, I did. Uh, Thanksgiving is a wonderful time of year. It's really for us, it's a great way to kind of kick off what's coming o- over the next month. But we enjoy Thanksgiving. There's a, a lot of preparation that goes into Thanksgiving. Um, <clears throat> usually, my family, we, we kind of host Thanksgiving and we invite uh, our father in law and, and brother and sister in law up. And uh, this was their year to come, but unfortunately, they couldn't make it. So um, we didn't do our, our typical. It was a little unusual for us. We, we went to some friend's house, which was awesome. Thank God for friends, and we got to experience their Thanksgiving. But usually Thanksgiving for our family, it, it's, a, it's a lot of preparation, right? There's, there's preparing the meal, and, there, and there's, uh, you know, getting the turkey ready and, and the rolls. And, and I, I, you know, this year the big hit in our family was cranberry sauce. My oldest had an entire jar of cranberry sauce on her plate and, like, one piece of turkey. Uh, so that, that was a, a big hit for us. But, um, and then there, there's preparation that, that's not the meal preparation. I tend to cook, so, you know, I, I think the food's always amazing because um, I'm just a good cook. Uh, my wife does an amazing job decorating and hosting and keeping us all on track. Um, so th- there's all that kind of preparation for the food, but then there's also the preparation to eat the food. Do you know what I'm talking about? We had this talk a, a little this morning before service. People were like, you know, I, I'm, I feel like the older I get, the less food I can eat, and it's really kind of disappointing. So I, I want to give you a little secret. I did some research, and here's how to best prepare for Thanksgiving. Now, I know this comes late, so you can use this for a- any big holidays coming up or just for next year, but, but he- here's how you should do it. Monday, you eat a lot. And I mean a lot. You like pound the food to stretch your stomach out. That's, that's what you want. You want to stretch the stomach. And then Tuesday and, and Wednesday, you, you want to kind of cut off the food, begin to binge a little bit. Uh, that way, when you come to Thursday, you have a stretched stomach that's empty and you can fill it. That's, that's how you want to prepare for Thanksgiving. So that's, that's just some free, some free info for next year when you're ready to sit down and eat. Uh, I also recommend uh, maternity pants because you're going to have like a little food baby in there. Um, <laughs> If you don't like maternity pants, sweatpants, are, that's really my go-to. I love the sweatpants, um, <laughs> in particular because they have the elastic, which is super helpful on Thanksgiving, but also because, uh, you know, eventually you're going to get the meat sweats, and you already got the sweatpants on, so you, you're ready. <clears throat> Some of you grossed out, but you know it's true. It's coming. Uh, so that was Thanksgiving. We all prepare. We all have lo- lots of food. Our family kind of has this tradition. Uh, we've been doing it for the past few years. Our kids are young, and I always thought, you, you know, I, you, you see this in movies, and I just thought it would be great, a great tradition to start. And, and you might know what I'm talking about. Um, it, it's, it's saying grace, and uh, it's, it's not saying grace like, like, like praying saying grace. It's, it's, it's like having a moment of grace to go around and say, what are you thankful for? And everybody gets to say one thing they're thankful for. And, you know, I started this tradition, but as time's gone on, I get a little nervous about this tradition every year. And, and the, the reason I, I get a little nervous is because, you know, <clears throat> I have no idea what my kids are going to say. And, and they can say the darndest things sometimes. And, and, and when this moment of, of kind of transparency comes along where it's like, hey, what, what are you thankful for? It's, it's for me, it's, it's kind of a litmus test of, of where are their ungrateful hearts and how am I doing as a parent? Like, are, are they really grateful? Are they experiencing gratitude? Or, or, or what are they really going to be thankful for? So every year it, it kind of comes to this place where we sit around the table and we ask, what are you thankful for? And, 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 I, and I'm kind of excited and nervous at the same time. Like, where are they going to go? Truthfully, Right now, my kids are young, so their answers are usually good. It's always, you know, I'm thankful for my parents or the house or, you know, for food, whatever it might be. But I'm worried about where it might go in the future. Uh, to test things this year, I asked my, my three-year-old privately, uh, Jules, we call her Juliana, and I said, or Juliana, rather, we call her Jules. I said, hey, hey Jules, what are you thankful for the year? What are, you, what are you most thankful for this year? And her sweet little voice, she said, will you, Daddy? And I thought, oh, like, isn't that the sweetest answer in the world? And then another thought hit me, and I thought, how manipulative is my three-year-old already? This is unbelievable. <laughs> like, she's already learned. She's already got me wrapped, and she knows it. <clears throat> but you're, you're, you get a little nervous. Like, like what are the answers going to be? And, and, you know, right now, they may be good answers. Maybe you have this kind of tradition in your home. 
And, and, you know, you go around and it's, we're thankful for, you know, for, for the home or for family. But the, the older our, our kids get, the answers kind of shift a little bit. And you begin to see a, a little change. It stops being, I'm as thankful for my family or my dad or, you know, my friends. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for Christmas. And then you're feeling like, say, stop rushing the holiday. This is Thanksgiving. Like, let, let, let's take one thing at a time. And, and then maybe it moves on from Christmas to, you know, I'm thankful for Xboxes and Fortnite and, you know, my iPhone. And, and, and you begin to really think to yourself, like, is this, is this what real gratitude is? We're just thankful for our things? Like, like we should be able to take, to fill up a, a whole hour on, on talking about what we're grateful for. And, and then I begin to think, like, you've had 364 days to prepare. That's the best you could come up with? Like, Fortnite? Like, there's got to be more. And, and if we're really thinking about, like, like what, what are our levels of gratitude or what really are we grateful for, I begin to think and kind of look at my kids and think, guys, you have so much to be grateful for, you don't even know. And not like in the way, like, my parents are like, I didn't grow up walking to school uphill in the snow both ways. Like, no, I'm not talking about that kind of gratitude. The truth is, I grew up in Pennsylvania about 30 seconds from my school. Now, this is an exaggeration. About a 30-second walk to my school, and I was late every single morning. So, you know, I had that going for me. <clears throat> um, but th their level of gratitude, like, you really have so much to be grateful for that, that you don't realize. And at a young age, you don't. Like, you can be thankful for electricity and, and, and cars and food and, and the fact that you have a home. And, and, and these thoughts began to hit me as I thought about Thanksgiving this year and, and I thought about, about what I want our kids to be grateful for. I, I thought... I've got to do something to instill this, this kind of, and we're going to call it this morning, this attitude of gratitude. And I know that sounds really corny, right? It sounds like one of those uh, motivational posters or inspirational posters with the eagle soaring. Like, you know, your attitude determines your altitude, and we're all going to soar off on eagle's wings, and there's going to be this really, like, heavenly, weird music. I, I know, it, like, when you, when you hear this, it kind of gives you that kind of sense of corniness. But, but the truth is, as parents, isn't that what we want for our children? I mean, even if, if we're people here that, that aren't parents, isn't this what we ultimately want, especially during this time of year? We want this kind of attitude of gratitude. We want, we want to have an attitude of gratefulness, to be able to look at all the things that are surrounding us and think, man, I'm so happy and I'm so grateful for that and that, and you know, I, I wouldn't have this without this, and, and I, I just appreciate so much. So I, th I thought to myself, how can I make sure that this gets instilled in my children's hearts? So I thought, here's what I'm going to do. This is what worked for me. I'm going to take each one of my kids on a missions trip to a third world country. I thought that that would work. Like, that did it for me. I, I've been on missions trips. I've been to Romania, my first missions trip, and I worked in orphanages with kids. And I'm not talking to kids who just didn't have parents, kids who, who were, were abandoned and abused and left for dead by their parents. And you see the scars, and they're not sure where they're getting their meals, and no one's there to care for them. Like, I've seen the broken and the hurt. I've been in war-torn countries that, that just, like, what, what happened and, and the severity of, of what happened and how it left everyone feeling, it just, it tears your heart apart. And there's no way to go to these places and not feel when you come back. Man, I have it so much better than they, I, I should be so grateful. But then I realized, you know, my kids are eight, six, and three, and my wife would, my wife would just not get on board with me taking my kids to a third world country right now. So I thought, what else could we do? So here's what we kind of landed this year. You've probably heard of this organization called Compassion International that sponsors children all across the world, kids who don't have medical care and don't have food. Some of them don't have homes, and, and, and they're, just, they're, they're broken. They're, when we say less fortunate, they're like extremely less fortunate. And I thought, here's what we're going to do. As a family, we're going to rally, and we're going to agree to sacrifice to sponsor a child. We're going to make sure we take something of what we own so that we begin to appreciate what we have. And I sat down with our, with our kids, and I, I began to talk to them about, about this idea of sponsoring a child and being grateful. And, 
you know, we went up online and we, we looked at a child and we knew we wanted to, to be involved in Africa because that's where my dad did his, his kind of missions when he would, uh, was a missionary for a few years. And we picked this little girl and, and I began to explain this whole idea of, of us having more than what others have. And, and, and I want them to appreciate that, kind of building up to this question like, like, like aren't you grateful but before I got to that place of even asking that question, like, aren't you grateful for what you have? A, a thought hit me. And it's a thought that, that, I, that I don't often have because usually, if you're anything like me, we tend to speak before we think, right? We just speak and then we think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But, but for a moment, if we were really to stop and, and think about this idea of gratitude and, and, and take a moment to really ponder it, my guess is you'd end up at the same place I did. And here's where I kind of ended up. Is that really the best thing? Is gratitude really the best thing that I want my kids to experience? Is, is there some, could there be something more than just looking at somebody who has less than you and saying, man, I really appreciate what I have? And what I realized was this. I realized that gratitude was good, but that there might be something even greater than grateful. And that's what I want to speak on for the next few minutes. Really, I want to look at a story. It's, it's found in Matthew. Jesus told, told stories. We call these stories parables. You, you probably know that he talked a lot in parables because parables and stories are sticky. People tend to remember them, and it's easy to, to kind of transcribe them or tell them over and over again. So we often talk in, in parables, and these stories, these parables, are, are fictitious. They're kind of made up, and, and they're, they're made to represent these kind of eternal meaning, if you will. In each of the stories, somebody always represents God, and somebody always represents us. Uh, and, and here's just a, a quick footnote on that. We're never the good person in the story. God's always the good person. We're always the people trying to figure out life. So Jesus tells this story about these, these servants that were given money from their master to, to, to invest, to do something with it, and, and kind of how this plays out. This is found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. He heard Jesus tell this parable for the first time, and he recorded it for us this morning. So we're going to look at it. This is found in <coughs> Matthew 25, verse 14. She says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man. Now, this man is God, not us. A man going on a long trip. He calls together his, his servants, and he entrusts his money to them while he was gone. He, he calls together his servants, and, and it's hard for us to imagine this because uh, we don't hold our money anymore. I've, I've very rarely do I meet somebody who has cash on them. Right? Our money is deposited, and it's out of our hands. This man has, has physical wealth, has bags and bags of money. And he calls together some of his faithful servants, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you each a portion of, of my wealth. And it doesn't say he gives them just like some of his money. He gives them his money. If you go, Sorry, you can go back to that last one. He gives them his money, like all of his money. Like, here's my money. I'm going to jet out for, for a little bit, maybe a year, maybe two. Go do something with this. I mean, that just seems like such a foreign concept. Like, who would do that? Like in our day, who would say, hey, I'm going to go over to like Hawaii for a few years and chill out. And while I'm gone, here's a few million bucks to go do something with. Like we would, no one does that. 2,000 years ago, this is a foreign concept. I imagine as Jesus is telling the story, he gets to this line and everybody in the crowd is like, oh, no one would do that. Because wealth was so incredibly valuable. There was, there was so little wealth among this world, among this, this culture, that if you had any kind of wealth, you were, you were like in a status above everybody else in society. This wealthy man calls his servants together, and he begins to portion out his money. He says this. He calls them together. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left off on his trip. Now, I, I see that, and that kind of takes me to a place in the parable that I'm not really happy with, and I'm not really comfortable with, and that's this, that when God is kind of giving out his, his abilities, when God's kind of giving out his gifts, He's really not, not making it equal. 
He's not making it fair. It's not like everybody gets three bags or everybody gets four. He gives some five and, and some two and, and, and some even one. And I, I kind of wish God was fair with it because if he was, I'd be six five and I'd be playing in the NBA. That was, you know, that was my dream as a kid, but clearly that's not the case. And, and really, I mean, even though we kind of want everything to be fair, do we really want, want everything to be the same? Like, we, do we all just want to be the same person with the same kind of experience? Like, how boring would, would life be with that? But, but this is how the story goes. Jesus said this is what God kind of does. He takes people according to their abilities and he begins to gift them things and give, give each of them something. He gave some five. I mean, imagine being that five-bagger, right? How would it feel to be the five-bagger? I mean, wouldn't you like that? Like, that's like, like, you couldn't even pick up these bags of silver. They're, they're so heavy. He gives them five. It's like, this is millions of dollars. Like, like what would you feel if you were the five-bagger? You'd feel pretty grateful, wouldn't you? You'd be like, this is amazing especially when you begin to, begin to look down the line and you see the two-bagger and then the one-bagger, and it's like, I'm sitting pretty good, right? I got the five bags. This is amazing. Let me flip it on you, though. How would you feel if you were the one-bagger? Not as grateful. What if you were the two-bagger? Right? The interesting thing about the two-bagger, and this is where I think we find most of ourselves, is, is we feel kind of grateful when we look at the one-bagger, but then we look up to the five-bagger and we feel a little envious, and we're a little discontent. And we're not as grateful. Like, why didn't I have more? Why do they have more? The, the truth is, and we know this as, as wages, there's always somebody with more. Right? We, 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 ha we have some, and we can be grateful for it, especially when we look across the world to, to third world nations, or like me, when I went to Romania, <coughs> I kind of felt like, like I'm the five-bagger American, and I'm coming to this, to this poor, destitute land, and th these one-bagger Romanians, and I'm going to bring all the goodness and all the joy and all the wealth. And here's what I realized when I went there. This is why I think mission trips are so powerful. You realize when you're there that they have so much more than I have. See, there's always somebody with more. There's always somebody, when you look down the line, who has more than you, and it begins to cre create a little envy, a little ingratitude. And that's what, what I, I, could happen to these servants. There's the five-bagger who I'm sure is feeling good about himself, and the two-bagger who, when looking at the one, feels great, but looking at the five doesn't feel good, and the one-bagger who has one bag of wealth that wasn't his own. I mean, you should feel grateful, but he's probably looking around, but look at all they got. I didn't get that. Why did they get more? Why not me? The story continues. Jesus says, the servant who receives five bags of silver, he began to invest the money, and he earned five more, which is like amazing, right? What, what a return on investment. He doubled the money. That's amazing. The servant... <coughs> with two bags of silver, also went to work, and he earned two more. Again, completely amazing. Doubled the income. That, that's, that's the way you want your money to work for you. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. He, he, almost like he, he got a little fearful. You see, we would never think of doing that today because we have banks and our money's secure. But, but in this culture, like I said, when you had any kind of wealth, you were in a tier above the rest of society that, that you feared for your life. You feared for your wealth. So it wasn't unheard of for wealthy people, for, for, for people with, with a lot of influence and a lot of money and a lot of valuables to dig holes in the ground and bury their wealth. I may not enjoy it, but at least no one else is going to take it from me. And that's kind of what this guy did. This generous master, I mean, he sounds like a generous guy, doesn't he? Like a guy you'd want to hang out with. He, he, he's giving a portion of his wealth. Here's our, just go do something with this. He's trusting people with his money, and they could have done anything. They could have robbed it and like just, you know, head out to the, you know, to the Caribbean. No one's going to find me. I'm going to enjoy my life now with your money. They could have squandered it. They could have stole it. <clears throat> but they invested. 
and the one with five gets a five return, and the one with two gets a two return, and the one with one, out of fear, hides his master's money. Before long, the master begins to come home. After a long time, Jesus continues. The master returned from his trip, and he called them all together, together to give an account of how they used his money. And I think this is probably an amazing moment, right? The guy with five bags of silver at this point, he can't even carry it. There's so much silver. He has it on a wagon. Horse was, hey, master, you gave me five. Look what I did. I invested and I got five more for you. And the master is so excited. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to treat you like part of the family. Come in with me and we'll celebrate and we'll have a feast. You did an amazing job. Now, the guy with two bags of silver, you have to imagine he's feeling pretty good about himself. Like, I did the same thing. Master, look what I did. You gave me two, and now I have two more. That's awesome, isn't it? I don't know if you're counting, Master. I'm not sure if you're good with math, but, but that's not seven bags of silver now. That's 14 bags of silver. Like, aren't you proud? Master, yes, good. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come with me. I'll treat you like part of my own, and we'll celebrate together. And then the guy with one bag comes. And I imagine he sees what everyone else has done and he begins to get a little, a little fearful. At this point, if this is a movie, this is where the soundtrack shifts. Right? It goes from being nice and sweet and look at all this celebration to sounding a little bit more like Jaws. Like, dun, dun, and every step closer to the master. It's like, he doesn't know what's coming. He's about to get the surprise of his life. Really, he's about to be eaten alive. He comes to the master, the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you seem like a great guy. I know you seem super generous because you gave us this money and we could have done anything with it and you trusted us. But master, I knew that you're a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Now look, here's your money back. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, if you knew your master was the kind of guy who would harvest crops that he didn't plant, like, would you bring that to his attention? Wouldn't you be a little scared? And then to show up and other people are, like, showing the double investment. He's got, like, a, a bag that's covered in mud, and he's kind of dusting off. Like, look, here's the one bag. I know it's dirty, but it's still there for you. <clears throat> the master turns and looks at the servant and says, you wicked and lazy servant. <clears throat> if, if you knew that I had harvested, harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? I mean, at least if you did that, at least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered his other servants, take the money from this one and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Why didn't you do anything with what I've given you? Instead, you hid it in the ground. You didn't even use it. You didn't even try you just hit it so nobody else could find it. And then Jesus kind of gives the bottom line to the story. He says this. He says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken from them. See, what's interesting is at no point in the story is gratitude talked about. I mean, gratitude, it's not mentioned. It's not rewarded. I'm sure they felt grateful. I'm sure the guy with five bags looking out felt like, man, I'm so grateful that he would trust me with this. The guy with two looking at the one, I'm so grateful that I have more than him. And maybe I'm a little envious I don't have as much as him. The guy with one, I had nothing and now I have one. The gratitude's not even discussed. It's what they've done with what they had or what they were given. And to bring it into our world, into our terms, 
it, it, it's kind of like God's given us each something. But what are you doing with it? I mean, he's made us all different, right? Some of you are, are, are salesmen. Some of you are attorneys. Some of you are, some of you are doctors. Some of you are speakers or pastors like me. He's given us all different abilities and different gifts. <clears throat> but what are we doing with them? Jesus en ends the story with this, the final word. Now, the master says, throw this useless servant out into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We hear that and say, like, God, isn't that a little harsh? But the truth is, if we were, I mean, again, if we're being really honest with ourselves, don't we know people like that? People who've been given some incredible gifts and incredible fortune, incredible opportunities. They have all this time in their hands to do something with and they don't use it. And then they get to the end of their life and what do they do? They weep about all the missed opportunities and all the, and all the missed times that they could have invested and helped and, and, and done something for humanity or for their neighbor. And they spend the remainder of their life weeping, just like Jesus said they would. Because they didn't use the things that were given to them to help somebody else. You see, I, I think there's something greater in our lives than even being grateful. I know at this time of year, we always, what are you grateful for and what are you thankful for? And I think that's awesome. But, but I, I think the, the, the problem with that is, is we begin to compare ourselves to those who don't have as much. And, and this is what I discovered is that building gratitude through comparison, it only works in one direction. Have you ever noticed that? It only benefits me. Well, look at what you don't have. And now I feel grateful for what I have. Look at what those Romanians don't have. And man, I'm so blessed to be born in America and be born in the family I'm in at the time I'm in so, uh, so I can have what I have or, or I could be one of them. It only works in one direction. If we're really being honest, this kind of gratitude by comparison, it really turns us inward. It makes us a little bit selfish. It makes us a little bit, a little bit kind of prideful. Like, look what I have. And I think there's gotta be something greater than that. There's got to be something better than us being grateful by looking at somebody else's misfortune and saying, man, look at what I have. I think gratitude is great, but I think there's something better. And I think what that better thing is, is this. It's responsibility. We've all been given something. What are we doing with it? We've all been given some kind of abilities. Maybe some of us have been given a lot. Maybe some of us not so much, but, but you've been given something. Are you being responsible with it? Or are you being like that last servant, burying it in the ground for no one to find? Because the truth is, if that's you, you may not know this now, but near the end of your life, you'll look back on with regret. I mean, God, I, I wish I did something. I wish I just had one more day, one more opportunity, just a little bit more time to go back and do something differently. See, gratitude is good, but responsibility is so much greater. And I think that's the hope for us. I think that's what we want for us, for our children. It's what we want for, for our neighbors. It's what we want for the world. But, but parents, and you know this because I, I feel this way all the time, the things that I often want to teach my kids are the things that I feel like I've got to learn myself first. We want our kids to be more than grateful. We want them to, to feel a responsibility with what they have. But so let me then turn and ask the question, what are you doing? What has God given you? And I know that's deeply personal and it's really deep for, you know, a holiday weekend, Jim. But really, what, what, I mean, I'm not mad. What has God given you? What can you do with it?
You see, if we just stay in this spot of being grateful by comparison, gratefulness will only spotlight what I have. And you'll only ever feel good when you compare yourself to somebody who has less. When you begin to compare yourself to somebody who has more, you, you feel a little less grateful. Gratefulness only spotlights what I have. But responsibility, it focuses us on using well what I have. What are you doing with it? Are you investing it? Are you using it? Are, are, you, are you serving the church? Are you serving your community? Are you serving people? Are, are you taking opportunities and the time you have to do something more with it? Are, are you, in, are you in, in, investing your money beyond just your own fortune, but maybe in somebody else's fortune? You, you may not be able to change the whole world, but could you change someone's world? You may not be able to make the whole world a better place, but could you make your neighbor's house a better place? What are you doing with what you've been given? See, the truth is, it's not about how much you have. And I know we feel that way because it's so easy to compare. Like, it's, it's easy for me to compare. God's given me a lot. I have a beautiful wife and, and three amazing children and, and a wonderful house. And, you know, he gave me a truck when I asked for a truck. And I'm just so blessed. Like, I, I'm so grateful. But then I look at other people and I think, but they have so much more. And look at their house. And they've got two cars. And they, they've, got, they've got all this. And, and shouldn't they be doing more? Like, it's not me. They need to be doing more. It's really not about how much whether you're a five-bagger or a two-bagger or a one-bagger, you've all been given something. I heard this great quote from Andy Stanley a few years ago that I love. He says, what matters, sorry, what you have matters less than what you do with what you have. We all have something. The question is, what are we doing with it? Are you going to invest? Are we going to do something to, to, to change somebody else's world? Or are we going to sit back and just say, man, I'm so grateful for the things I have and keep it to ourselves? You could do that. But you'll get to the end and you'll wish you didn't. See, my hope for you, and I think what, what Jesus was trying to tell us through this story is, is guys, there's a responsibility with, with the things that I've given you. There's some responsibility in that. And I don't want you to just hold on to it yourself. I want you to use what I've given you and go do something amazing with it. And the more you do, the more I'll keep giving you so that you can continue to bless others and make other people's worlds better. But you gotta do something. See, if you do nothing, it'll all be taken away from you in the end anyway. See, if I go back to the story with, with my kids, I, I'm working through this conversation of, of trying to get them to the idea that we need to be doing something and, and before I could even ask the question, aren't you grateful for what you have? And talking about this, this young girl in Africa and how we're going to sponsor her and what her situation looks like and what our situation looks like and how we need to do something about it. Before I could even get to that point in the story, my oldest daughter, Isabella, who I, I absolutely love, she speaks up and she cuts me off. We're, we're talking about this. She says, Dad, Dad, hold, hold on. We have to do something to honor her. And I kind of laughed and sat back and I said, honor her, huh? And she's like, we have to do something to honor her, Dad. And then I smiled, probably with tears in my eyes like a big goofy dad would. I said, that's exactly the point. We have to do something. I may not be able to change everybody's world. I can't sponsor every child that needs it. But God, I have to do something. That's what I want my kids to feel. Not just, man, look at me, and, and I'm so glad, I, you know, my Xbox, my Nintendo Switch, and my iPad. I'd say, no, but I've got to do something for somebody else. See, it's that kind of gratefulness that changes the world. And it's that kind of selfless, selflessness 
that brings across real gratitude. Not gratitude by comparison, not gratitude by look what I have and look what you don't have, but real gratitude of God, I'm so glad you've given me something that I can go do something with and help change somebody's world. See, gratefulness is great, but responsibility is even better. Responsibility will change the world. And if we all started to feel that way, if we all started to take a little bit of responsibility for the things that God's given us, what could change in our world? What could change in our friend's world and in our neighbor's world? What would look different if we all had the attitude, God, what did you give me? And what can I do with what you've given me? That's my hope for you. That's my hope for you over just the next four weeks if that's all you feel. Not to just be grateful for the things we have and grateful for the gifts and Christmas, but to have enough gratefulness to feel some responsibility and say, God, how can I do something different today in somebody's world? Gratitude is great, but responsibility, it's even better. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, God, this amazing story, this passage that has lasted for thousands of years, God, and it still holds so much truth to us today. God, I, I thank you for, for even giving us anything, God, for giving us good gifts and abilities, God, for giving us talents and, and, and treasure. But I pray for everybody here, God, that we wouldn't fall into the trap of, of comparing ourselves to other people to feel some sense of gratitude. But God, that we wouldn't feel true gratitude and say, God, now that you've given me this, what can I do with it to go and make somebody else's world better? Give us the courage to begin to even ask these questions and then the wisdom to know what to do once we find the answer. God, help us each to take a step in that direction of being responsible with what you've given us. Not to be like that one servant who buries it and ultimately ends up in a tormented place. God, but to be the person who says, God, now that you've given me, God, whether it's big or whether it's little, I want to go do something for somebody else. I thank you for that, Lord. Be with us this week. Keep us safe, keep us healthy, Lord, and bring us back next week. In Jesus' name, amen.